So for the last couple of weeks, we've looked a little bit at this term, compassion fatigue, uh, and I want to pick that conversation back up. When I brought it up last night, one of the participants in the circle, um, who it was actually his first time there ever, uh, and at the end of it, he said, so is this like what we're supposed to do when we just feel onslaughted by the daily news? Yeah. That's, that's where this topic came up for me, hearing people name how hard it is just to live in the influx of now in the news. And we do need some way to orient with what is. I loved in the gratitude circle that a couple of you named acceptance. We have to find some way if we want to have a sense of sanity, of wholeness, some way to be with the whole of what's happening. And so, you know, there's a very particular reason I started with the gratitude circle. It's so easy to get flooded by what's bad that we forget that that tree right there is stunningly beautiful. And so one very root basic practice is keep opening your eyes. Keep seeing more. My daughter has started to bring her dog into our wild animal mix. You've heard me talk about it. We have four that are now doing just fine together. And so she's brought in a fifth. Uh, and three of them are our dogs, all about somewhere between 45 and 50 pounds. Two of them, one's probably one, one's probably two, and one's a seemingly little old lady at 10 or 11, but boy, when she gets going with them, she is not. <laughs> uh, and the three of them just, when they hit their stride, it's as beautiful as anything imaginable in the world to see the three of them just in glory of running. You know that term, I can't, I'm not sure I know how to say it right, muration, when, when like the starlings or the um, birds up in the sky, you see this giant flock of them, and then they kind of all move together. My three dogs, <laughs> these three dogs in the backyard, they do dog murations um, that are just glory dumb. So that's really important to make sure you're opening your eyes to what's good and let yourself be nourished by it. That's a practice. If it's hard to connect, that's where you gotta remember, this is actually a practice. It's not an all or nothing. It is a practice of learning to take it in and opening more, by, more and more and more. And then the flip side is, Oh, how do we be with what is really hard? And that's where I hear this term compassion fatigue um, coming up more and more. 
And I'm going to say this again, I feel like that's just such a misnaming. It's not that when we are really grounded in strong, wise compassion, we get burnt out. No, it's kind of like the opposite. When I am really grounded in a very wise, healthy, which means boundary, compassion, that's what makes me more available and more strong to show up. So I think it's really helpful to unpack this term that we're, this, this um, very real phenomena that is getting labeled in our society as compassion fatigue. So I'm going to again kind of get, walk through how I'm seeing it. And this, this is just like, like um, uh, through the lens of Lindsay. So, you know, um, feel free to, to argue with it or not to buy it or whatnot. So I just, I really just offer this as um, a reflection on, you know, what is true compassion? What is not? And, and where does one make me stronger? And where, where caught up in um, Buddhism has this term, the near miss, the near enemy where I'm actually called up in the near enemy of compassion and mistaking it as compassion. So I come back to the two words, empathy and compassion. And these, both of these words can be used in lots and lots of ways. Um, I'm putting a very specific definition to both of these terms and how I'm using them. Empathy in this context for me is that natural resonance of our nervous systems that we are born with. Well, actually, we're, there's some evidence that we're not entirely born with this. It develops very, the capacity is always there. It is either brought out in early childhood or in cases of extreme neglect and abuse, not brought out, which is like incredibly heartbreaking to think of. Assuming that we have that normal development, our nervous systems are designed to resonate with other nervous systems, to be able to feel what other nervous systems are feeling. And this is not just a human thing. <laughs> if you think about, I think I used this example last week, zebras. Um, a herd of zebras out on the savanna, one is on the edge of the herd, actually sees the lion, the survival part of the zebra's brain goes into immediate fight, flight, freeze, danger. And that, that fight, flight, freeze is almost immediately translated through the entire herd. Danger, 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 go. Uh, that's <laughs> neurations. Um, or some form of nervous system resonance um, in a way to um, uh, just to link it back to my dog's um, joy in the backyard. It doesn't have to be danger. It can be joy too. And, and, and we know this, like if you go to a party and you walk through the door expecting everyone to be having a good time and you walk in and you go, oh, uh, something just happened here. <laughs> you know, like everyone might be sitting there um, talking in some form or another, but you know you just walked in after some sort of bomb just got dropped in the room. Um, uh, you can feel it. 
You feel it before you even consciously process it. You feel it first. That's what I'm calling empathy. And the flip, you walk into that same party um, and just something in you goes, ah, isn't that nice? Like you can feel that, that there's that energy too. That resonance, system, nervous system resonance, that's what I'm pointing to and when I use this word empathy. Compassion to me is when that nervous system resonance is consciously recognized and tempered through wisdom. And our wisdom capacity helps us to stand strong in a healthy way with what's being felt by the system. If we don't have that extra wisdom, the extra wisdom factor brought in, then that first empathetic hit of someone else's pain can trigger overwhelm in us. And instead of compassionately connecting, I'm then just lost in my reactivity to, ooh, that hurts, and I've got to do something to protect myself. And I'm doing that, if it's a true nervous system overwhelm, I'm doing that at an unconscious level. That's the amygdala. That is an unconscious survival reactivity of self-protection. So I use the example of the first arrow, second arrow, the old Buddhist story. I think it's worth naming it again because it's such a good story. Uh, the Buddha asked a student, does it hurt to be shot by an arrow? The student says, yes, it does. <laughs> and the Buddha says, okay, so does it hurt to be shot more by one arrow or two arrows? And the student says, two. The Buddha says that first arrow is that thing you can't control. The second, that's not a choice. It's happened. It's there. The second arrow is what you add to it. So what we are calling compassion fatigue, to me, could better be termed empathetic overwhelm. The first arrow would be the pain of, I see something painful, and I feel that pain in some level in my nervous system. That would be the first arrow. The second arrow might be an oh, I can't stand it, and I'm doing some sort of reactivity that actually makes it harder for me to deal with the first arrow. That's what burns us out. That's what makes it really hard to be with someone else's pain. I thought I would give an example of when I first got this for myself. Um, I'm sure that there are others of you who can relate to this. When I was very little, I got traumatized by the movie Bambi. <laughs> I don't know any others of you who like have one of those early memories of, I mean, I can still see the scene, you know. Uh, and what that kind of set up in me was this, this long, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't stand the idea of any violence to animals. For years, I thought of that as kind of my, um, my sensitive, compassionate, caring heart, 
that that was a reflection of that. Then, of course, you know, I started this mindfulness practice where, where you start to untangle all of this stuff you just took for granted, and oh my gosh, you just see it in a whole new way. And I don't know how far into my practice I finally thought to look at this particular thing, but there was a point. In my early days, I listened to a lot of Pema Chodron, and she um, was very strong on stay with it, stay with the sharp point, stay with the hurt place. So, you know, I was like doing that over and over. And then, you know, when my girls were young, they wanted to watch some movie, and I found myself going, ugh. Oh, you know, like, don't let me watch that. Don't y'all don't watch that either. Um, uh, and I think I had had Pima Chodron saying in my ear enough, stay with it, which is a mixed teaching. Um, it's really okay if you have the grounding to stay with it. If it's stay with the trauma by yourself at home alone, ooh, no, don't. <laughs> That's So there's a lot of modification now of that basic teaching, but there wasn't much back then. Um, and I didn't need it for this. So I finally like got, oh, there's a part of me that can't bear to look at that. And I'm thinking of that as compassion. Is it? And so like I like sat with it and untangled it, like purposely watched the movie. I did it in my mind, you know, played the scene out. What I noticed absolutely was the first arrow. Oh, that is painful, what I'm watching. And it is resonating in me. And then almost as soon as I could see that, I could feel this wave come up in me and Block it out. Don't look. Stop. Turn away. Go the other direction. And I thought, oh, that's not compassion. That's aversion. That is me going into a silo, not me connecting. That is me closing down and trying to keep that away. And that was kind of like to really feel that difference in that moment was profoundly helpful. It was not staying with compassion. It was unconscious, reactive, aversion, dislike, want to get away from. That Living with that in a world where we're getting bombarded by things we don't like all the time, oh my gosh, that's exhausting. Robert Bly, the poet, has a great metaphor for this. He says that it's like we're all born with a little black bag on our belt at birth. And anything we don't want to deal with, we stuff into that bag. And then we reach midlife and we can't understand why it's so darn hard to get out of the car in the Walmart parking lot and walk across the parking lot. Because, you know, like we're trying to tug the, you know, the 12 foot long bag behind us as we're just trying to walk across the parking lot. It's exhausting to always hold up these barriers. And if that's our only strategy, then the world is exhausting.
Or the other thing we often do, you know, fight, that's the flight, the fight. Consumed, endless mind rumination, endless worry story, endless anger story, um, endless hand wringing, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, um, or why not, why not, why not? How can they, you know, that's, the, that's one of the big keys that you're in this. How can they, well, you know what? They are like me, a human with a human nervous system. And if I understand my nervous system, then I can understand any they in the world because I know what this one can do, you know? When I'm really, really honest, being fully honest. So what is helpful was kind of then the third step in my movie moment, which was to invite true compassion, which was to go, oh, this is unconscious survival reactivity. Of course I want to block it out. Of course, if I don't have any other strategy to deal with it, that's better than being taken down by it. There is a survival element that's real to it. Can I have compassion? And in that moment to like, you know, really feel, oh, this isn't something to beat myself up over. This is something to care about, to bring care to. Then what happens when you can just, you know, we can't do it all. So there is that pain in the world. And at first, I have to take care of it here. If I have any hope of showing up there in a way that's grounded. And like, you know, like that, I, that movie meditation, it was very helpful to just then turn in and go, oh, yeah, human. This was the best strategy I could come up with for this far in my life. Of course, this is what I did. Of course, this is what I do. Can I just breathe in and out with some care for my amygdala trying to do the best it could to preserve me? That's what it was. Take care of that. And then what I found when I took care of that second arrow then my eyes could open and look back at the first. And that was really interesting to see how that taking care of the second arrow absolutely was what enabled me to then be able to look at the first and meet that differently with now a deeper understanding of, oh, this is what compassion is. And it's open and available to the best that I have. And it's very different from that tight and constricted. So in our meditation we did, um, I talked a little bit about pendulation and the natural pulsation of life. This is not an all or nothing practice. There is, of course, Force the first arrow, a constriction, a tightening. 
And then when we learn to work with it, there is a release and an opening. It's not that we need only to be one way or the other. It's that we learn to move through the natural rhythm of life that has both. So I'm going to finish with um, words from Rumi from, you know, near a thousand years ago who didn't get this wisdom with MRIs and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, just looking at the world and us humans and all of us are in it. Your hand opens and closes, opens and closes. If it were always a fist, or always stretched open, you would be paralyzed. Your deepest presence is in every small contracting and expanding. The two as beautifully balanced and coordinated as bird wings. Your deepest presence is in every small contracting and expanding. The two as beautifully balanced and coordinated as bird wings. So let's pause there. invite you to notice whatever you notice about trying to be too wide open all the time. Or totally contracted like a fist all the time. How do you allow a natural pendulation gratitude, acknowledgement of pain, contracted aversion, opening to compassion? Notice how both are needed for the bird to fly. May we all, all of us everywhere, near and far, big and small, seen and unseen, understand how the natural pulsations of life rhythms of life lead us into healing care for ourselves and each other and this world. Thank you.